as we're studying through the book of Galatians together on Wednesday evenings, and we'll be in the last seven verses of chapter 3 tonight. But as you uh, turn here and looking at it, Keep in mind, again, the overall bird's eye view, if you will, of this book of the Bible, all right? Uh, keep in mind that Paul is addressing the churches in this region, in this area of Galatia, all right? So there's many churches here, therefore many Christians in this region. But he's writing for this reason and for this purpose. The main purpose is because there are false teachers called Judaizers who have begun to creep into this area and into these churches, uh, but these false teachers have begun to teach a false gospel, a uh, false gospel of adding works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And this false gospel of adding rituals and rules to the true gospel is causing great chaos in the hearts of God's people. And it's perverting the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what it's doing. So Paul knows this. And so he sits down with pen in hand and goes to battle, all right? And so he sits down lovingly, passionately, yes, very sternly, and declares and defends the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that it's, it's by grace through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing. That's what, G, or that's what Paul is getting at here, all right? So, so keep that bird's eye view in mind as we continue studying the book of, of Galatians. Now, as we come to Galatians chapter 3, you know that we started looking at this interrogation that Paul has started uh, with the uh, Galatian believers. And uh, he's interrogating them on what they're being taught uh, by the Judaizers, what he has taught them, and what they believe. Uh, but he's also in his interrogation, he's bringing up great arguments and several proofs to prove yet again that salvation comes by grace through faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and not through the works of the law. So let's look at it again. All right, Galatians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 23. Galatians 3 and verse 23, the Bible says this. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, though he might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. But ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the word of God. And we thank you that salvation is by grace through faith in the finished work of your dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful that you would send your only son, pure Lamb of God, to die for wicked sinners such as us so we can have a way to God. And Lord, I pray that you bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so from this portion of Scripture, a few things I'd like for us to consider and see as, again, Paul is defending the gospel, all right? The first thing I want us to see this evening is this. Number one, that faith in the gospel gives us this. It gives us freedom, all right? It gives us freedom. Uh, look as we, as we look at our text here, especially once you look at, again, at verse 23 and notice a phrase. Look at verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Highlight, underline those two words, kept under, all right? We'll come back to it. We were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. This is a very interesting phrase to me. 
when it says here, kept under. Because this phrase gives the idea that they're being held in bondage or being kept in custody or being guarded in a prison by a prison guard. And when you are guarded in a prison or in custody, you are not free, all right? You, you are, have no hope of being freed. You are not free. But of course, in the context, especially looking at Galatians as a whole, what is it that was uh, keeping the Galatians in a prison? Uh, what is it that was keeping the Galatians in, in bondage? If you keep in mind, again, in context, as Paul is referring to, to this this keeping under bondage here, he is putting them, or understanding, putting themselves back under the law. That's what they were doing. That's what the Judaizers were trying to do. They were trying to put these Galatians back under the law, subject these Galatians to the law, trying to get them to do their very best works that they could in order to gain some kind of acceptance with God. This is what the Judaizers were trying to do, put them under bondage, trying to put them into a prison. But if they were to put themselves back under the law, then they'll be doing this, putting themselves in a prison. Because understand, the law imprisons the individual. You see, the law does this. The law shows a man exactly where he fails, right? The law shows us exactly where we come short. This is the purpose. We understood this from last time. This is the purpose behind the law is what God gave it to show, well, we are sinners, all right? But the law does not just stop there. It also does this. It goes a little bit further. The law not only shows us where we come short, but it also accuses us when we do. It gives us a sentence of death when we do. It condemns us. And this sentence given by the law, it cannot be denied. There is no questioning the condemning accusation. There is no appeal, if you will, to the law. Why? Because again, it's written down. It's in black and white. If you broke the law, here's your punishment for breaking the law. So it shows us where we're wrong. It shows us there's a punishment to, the, to that wrong. And because of this punishment, the violation against the law, and the deserving punishment we deserve because of that, then comes this, the condemnation of it. Meaning the guilt, the conviction that will flood the mind of the individual. And the individual will be troubled in heart and mind and soul with that guilt and conviction and trouble that individual, listen, will desperately look for a way out. Will desperately look for a way out of the condemnation, of the punishment that they deserve, out of the guilt that's in their heart and mind. They will look for a way out. But if they look to the law for a way out, they will not find it. If you look to that same law that has convicted you, that same law that has shown you your error of your way, for a way out of the condemnation that is sure to come, the punishment that is sure to come, it cannot deliver you. It cannot deliver you from the punishment. There's no way out. No matter of good works can get you out of the due punishment of our, the error of our way. Why? Because, again, the law is a prison. And this will go on and on, on and on again. It's a continuous circle, the law, showing where a man fails. It shows where a man fails to keep the law, and instead of finding redemption for his failure, he only finds condemnation because of his failure. And the law shows this over and over and over and over again. That, my friend, is a prison. It's a prison, and being held under, and this prison comes from the law of good works. So understand, the law is a prison. And it was never given, is never given to free man from sin. It was never given to make a man perfect. 
It was never given to allow man to be saved or acceptable before God. Rather, it was given to show man his sin, to show man his sinfulness, to show how wretched we really are. And with that knowledge of sin, with that knowledge of it, and with the punishment we deserve because of that, with that knowledge, it should lead us from the law to a Savior. Which, by the way, that Savior is Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Paul is trying to get at the whole time with these Galatian believers. And even, I believe, the Judaizers, all right? He's trying to get them to that point. Look at verse 24 again. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. He never said we'll be justified by the law. He said, no, the law is our schoolmaster to show us where we're wrong, to show how bad we are, to bring us to Christ by faith. Again, he's just showing over and over and over that it's by faith. And faith here, he is saying faith brings freedom. The law never could. It never could. But Jesus can't. All right. So there's faith in Christ. It brings freedom. What else does it bring? Number two, faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It brings us a new family. Okay. Look at verse number, verse number 26 and 27. And Paul has really stated this several times over, how the Galatian believers were saved, not by works, but by faith in Christ. And again, he wants to reiterate that fact. Look at verse 26 again, all right? For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now here in verse 27, when it says, for as many of you have been baptized in Christ, Understand, he's not saying that when a person is baptized in water by immersion, that's when you put on Christ. He's not saying that. A water baptism does not put us into Christ. Water baptism does not put us into the family of God. It does not save us. It will not cleanse us from any sin. Understand today, there are people who do teach and believe that. They will tell you, you have to be baptized in order to be truly saved. But that is not what the Bible teaches. That water in this baptistry, is not holy, I promise, all right? It ain't. And it does not wash away any sin uh, uh, from you at all. Uh, the Bible says this. Here's how you get your sin cleansed. 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Not the baptismal waters, all right? That is not clean from sin. Jesus' blood does. So Paul here is not saying when you are baptized, it is then you're placed in Christ. Besides, if that was the case, then Paul, when he would give his testimony in Acts 22, as well as Acts 26, it is then he would, not, he would be pointing to the time he was baptized instead of the time when he was converted on the road to Damascus. Uh, so he would do that, all right? But when he gave his testimony, what did he do? He pointed his brethren, the Jewish, Jewish brethren in, in, in chapter 22 of Acts, to his conversion to Christ. He pointed King Agrippa in chapter 26 of, of Acts. He pointed to his conversion in Christ, not his baptism. So a baptism, it doesn't, it doesn't bring you into the family. It's not referring to water baptism here, all right? But rather, the baptism here he's speaking of is when the Holy Spirit puts the new believer in Christ and Christ in the new believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13, let me read this to you. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For, here it is, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink of one spirit. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 through 27. 
Whereof I made a minister, Paul writing, according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages, from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his majesty among the Gentiles. Here it is. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Paul, he is simply reminding the Galatian believers again that it's the Holy Spirit that puts the believers in Christ, and it's not the law. It's not the law. The law has not done that. Every believer is sealed with the indwelling Holy Spirit, and it's the indwelling Holy Spirit that puts us into a new family, and that is the family of God. And again, all this happens how? Look at it again, verse 20, 26. For you're all the children of God by faith. In Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. All right. So, faith, it gives us freedom. All right. What else does it do? It gives us a new family. What else does it do? It gives us a new fellowship. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. It may be uh, good for you to understand, good for us to understand that the mindset of the Jews, especially the Pharisees at this time, was this. They thought they had the monopoly on the things of God. Uh, they thought this was the, the spiritual ladder, all right? It was God, then the Jewish people, especially Pharisees, and then everybody else, all right? That was their mindset. Uh, that, was their, that was their monopoly on anything that was spiritual, anything that was of God. Now, don't get me wrong. The Hebrew nation was and is a very blessed and privileged people. After all, it was from, uh, from the Jewish nation, from the Hebrew nation, it was the Lord Jesus that would come from them. The Bible says in Galatians 3.16 that it was Abraham's seed, which is Jesus Christ. So it was from them we have our Messiah, we have the Lord, we have Jesus. After all, is also that they were entrusted with the Scriptures. The Bible says in Romans 3, 1 through 2, uh, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way. Chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. We understand, listen, there's many more things we can look at, but we can understand that, uh, yes, the, the Jewish nation is a very uh, privileged and blessed people. And uh, I, I pray for them, I thank God for them. Listen, we should rejoice, yes. But understand also, when it came to the things of God, even in the things of society, especially during this time, they thought, they were better and superior than anyone else. And that is why when Jesus said these words in John chapter 3, verse 15 through 17 to Nicodemus, who was, by the way, a what? A ruler of the Jews, meaning a Pharisee. Uh, that's why when Jesus said these words in John chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. No doubt when Nicodemus heard these words and many others, of course, that Jesus preached to him that night, he was absolutely shocked at that truth. Shocked. Because as a Jewish ruler, he thought, look, God only loves us. God only loves the Jews, especially the Pharisees, right? He would have been shocked at this. To know that, no, God loves everybody, not just a select group. He had been shocked at that. What I'm saying is this. The Jews at this time thought they were better. 
Uh, they were degrading to anyone else around them who was not Jewish. Do you know what the uh, Jews would call Gentiles? It's in the Bible. Starts with a D, ends with the Augs. Dogs, that's right, all right? So they call them dogs, all right? But uh, that's what they refer to any Gentile. By the way, they would refer, uh, if we were during the first century biblical time, that's what they would call you and I, all right? Just Gentile dogs. They were degrading, and uh, they didn't mean that in a playful way either, all right? But you know what the Pharisee prayed one day? In Luke chapter 18, when Jesus gave his parable, here's what Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 9 through 14, speaking of their mindset and uh, of, their, of their heart towards people. He said this, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Here, that's, he's, he's saying that they did. The Pharisees despised others. Two men went up into a temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisees stood and prayed thus for themselves. God, I thank thee that I am not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off will not lift up so much as eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus speaking, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. But he didn't understand at this time they were degrading to anyone that was not, was not Jewish. Even in my study, I learned that the Pharisees would pray this. Each morning, they would pray something like this. They would say, I thank thee, God, that I am a Jew and not a Gentile, a man and not a woman, and a freeman and not a slave. So understand, these Jewish Pharisees are very prideful, degrading, and uh, to anyone else around who is, not, who is not Jewish. So what Paul said here in verse 28 would have absolutely kicked the Judaizers in the teeth. Look at it with me. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. So though this may have been shocking to the Judaizers, even shocking to some of the Jews that may have been a part of the Galatian church, understand it had been very comforting to the Gentile believer. Very comforting to know that the same God who loved the Jews and wanted them loved the Gentiles and wanted the Gentiles also. That the same God, it had been comforting to know that the same God didn't make up one church for the Jews and another church for the Gentiles. No, it was one. A church full of born-again, blood-washed, baptized believers that were all one in Christ. And nobody inferior and nobody superior. It didn't matter if you were Jew or Greek. It didn't matter if you were a servant or a master. It didn't matter if you were a man or a woman. You're all one in Christ. Why? Because we come to Christ all the same way as sinners in need of grace. And we receive that grace by faith. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 11, verse 32 through 36. For God hath concluded, here's his conclusion, all right? God hath concluded them all in unbelief. Why? That he might have mercy upon all. And I love how Paul, how Paul uh, continues the writing to, to the Romans after that, after that verse. He says, oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. So Paul is simply saying, listen, the faith in the gospel gives us a new fellowship. We're all one 
together. Whereas the law, the law would divide. It would separate Gentile, Jew, this day, that day. But Christ unites. Christ unites. The law divided, Christ united. We're all one in the Lord. All because of the gospel of Jesus Christ through faith. And that's how you receive it, by faith. I'm thankful that's for any one, for a whoso, for whosoever. And no doubt these Gentile believers were thankful for that as well. Because listen, they were the outcast, right? But Jesus wanted them. The gospel was for them, not just for the Jew, but for them as well. They're all one in the Lord. So this is what faith, faith gives us. It gives us some more. We'll look at it next time. We're, we're running out of time tonight. But we'll look at it at next time as well. As we talk about the, it gives us as an heir to Christ, all right, of Christ. Look at verse 29. And if it be Christ, then your Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And in chapter number four, he begins talking more about being an heir. All right, so we'll talk about that next time. But, uh, but tonight, this is what faith gives us. It gives us a uh, freedom. It gives us a family.